GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you very much for joining us for this week's podcast, where we're comparing neurotoxins, the four any wrinkle injectable products on the market. And I'd love to introduce you to our guest speaker, Kelly Beasy from KB Aesthetics. Hi, Kelly, how are you? Hi, Paul, I'm good, thank you. Excellent. So Kelly's a nurse practitioner and a cosmetic medicine trainer with 20 years of nursing and 10 years of experience in aesthetics. Um, I'm going to get Kelly to introduce herself in just a moment, but just to relate to today's topic. So we want to talk today about, you know, choosing a filler range, you know, things to consider when you're picking a product. And we're going to be focusing on anti-wrinkle injections in this particular part. So it's uh, obviously the cosmetic neurotoxins of the market. Um, that, can say, that contain the same active ingredients, so we're going to be focusing on that, that are FDA approved for the treatment of uh, aesthetic concerns. So uh, we'll also talk about dermal filler types um, and which types to use for treatments. So that's what I'm going to be covering, Kelly, but I think just as a quick introduction of yourself uh, to the audience would be wonderful. Yeah, so um, I actually started in aesthetic medicine by accident. I, a nurse I knew, knew a doctor who was looking for a nurse at a plastic surgery clinic and I was looking for a job. So I just got started in plastic surgery that way. And um, it just sparked an interest in the aesthetic medicine side of things. And when I came back to Australia, I started um, injecting and yeah, haven't looked back. I used to do a, a little bit of teaching in the hospital sector. So I started to combine my love of teaching with my passion for aesthetic medicine. And here I am teaching and injecting and still loving it. Excellent. Well, we thank you very much for taking your time today to share some of your knowledge with our audience. So uh, the first question is really around what are the key differences between the four injectable products in terms of their composition and mechanism of action? And maybe just perhaps just go through the four products that obviously we're referring to as well would be great. Yeah, so um, currently in Australia, the TGA approved products, we have got Botox, which is the original, came out in 1989, and that is uh, manufactured by Allergan. So that is a 900 kilodalton um, molecule product. And all of the botulinum toxins type A, uh, they're a slightly different strain um, based on the manufacturer's use of that. So they're a different sized molecule. They also come mixed with slightly different excipients. So they will have a combination of albumin with some saline for Botox. Um, the other drug is Dysport made by Galderma that came out in 1990. And that is um, a combination between 500 and 900 kilodalton product. Now that has a little bit of human albumin mixed with some lactulose as its excipients. Um, the other product in Australia is Xeomin, distributed by Mertz. Now, that became TJ approved in 2005, and that is a pure 150 kilodalton product. So it's a low molecular weight product. Um, and that also comes mixed with some um, human albumin and sucrose as its exhibitants. And then the newest product on the Australian market um, is called Latibo, um, manufactured and produced by Hugel, and that became TJ approved here in Australia last year, 2022. That's also a 900 kilodalton molecule size and also contains human albumin with saline. So they are all essentially the same drug being botulinum toxin type A, but they're a slightly different strain of the botulinum toxin type A depending on the manufacturer. And so just to help me understand, obviously the, the yeah. differences, you know, and 
you know, what that means then for in terms of onset and duration of action as well. Yeah, so um, different products will have a slightly different onset. Um, I think the the original Botox is a little bit slower to show its effect. It's usually between sort of between four and five days you start to see that one kicking in. Disport certainly for most people does kick in quicker from about day three, day four. Zeeman, again, for some people, the onset might be about day three. And the new one, Latibo, some of the clinical papers show its onset starting at 24 hours. So very quick to onset. Each product will have a slightly different duration, and that is largely uh, determined by the patient and how well they hold on to the product, their metabolism, what medication they might be using. But based on the clinical data, Latibo, the new, new kid on the block, seems to have a longer duration based on the clinical data. Okay. And um, the recommended injection techniques for achieving optimal results, I mean, do you have any tips specifically on that? Yeah, so essentially um, when you choose one toxin over another in your clinic, you'll get specific training by uh, the company. They'll come out and show you. Essentially, the techniques are similar. Disport is the one that's slightly different in that it has a little bit of a bigger spread um, field of effect when you inject it. So you can inject it a little bit further apart, particularly in a frontalis, to get a, a nicer field of effect. Whereas um, Botox, Xeomin and Latibo, they tend to have a tighter field of effect or a smaller spread. So you might end up doing more injection points in a frontalis or bigger doses in the frontalis than you would with Dysport. Um, really, other than that, the other areas, the glabella, the crow's feet, the lower face, you tend to inject them pretty much the same across the board. It's just the frontalis, which can be a tricky area to treat that'll have some slight nuances to each individual um, strain or brand of toxin. Okay. And are there any specific sort of patient factors that influence the choice of one anti-wrinkle injection over another? Yeah, I certainly have found over the past 10 years that individuals have a slight affinity for one drug over another in that some patients will say to me, Botox doesn't work on me, but Dysport does, or I don't get that much longevity with Dysport, but I get longevity with Xeomin. Xeomin being a 150 kilodalton molecule, they say that it is less likely to cause resistance. So those people that aren't getting fantastic results or, or very good longevity with the other three products may get longer duration with the Xeomin. Um, but that would be one of the few sort of variables. It's trial and error, which patient, um, which product the patient tends to have great effects with, but it's also personal preference. Um, I think also the company that you deal with and the support that you get from the company will absolutely influence your cho choice of toxin. So some companies will be way more um, supportive. They'll give you a lot more training and um, help you with your journey of learning anti-wrinkle over other companies. So that might play a part in your decision to choose one brand over another. And, and just from that decision-making process, you know, for someone who's obviously new into this space, is it really just reaching out to the companies and understanding what level of support they're prepared to provide and training um, for the product? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely worth um, 
reaching out to the the business development managers for each company in your area, getting a little bit of information around the product, seeing how much training and support they can offer you. But also it's what you um, do your initial training with. Often people will do their initial training with one product and they may end up sticking with that one product because it just feels comfortable for them. But certainly worth reaching out to those reps and trialing the other drugs and seeing what kind of support. And also the other thing that comes down to is the cost of, uh, sorry, the cost of product and your return on service for that. Yeah, I understand. Um, going back to things a little bit more clinical, so some common side effects or adverse reactions associated with these injectables and, and how they might be managed? Yeah, well, neurotoxins are, are just that, they're neurotoxins. So they do relax muscles and they do inhibit muscle movement. So there is a risk of causing, um, of the product spreading into adjacent muscles or inadvertently injecting into muscles that you didn't intend to. And that may cause weakness in those muscles or it may cause heaviness or droop. So in particular, injecting the glabella or the frown area, if it's injected incorrectly or the product moves into the adjacent muscle of levator palpebrae, which is your eyelid muscle, you can get a ptosis of the eyelid. You may get ptosis of the brow if you um, get toxin into the lower fibres of frontalis. In the lower face, most of the areas we treat in the lower face have a very small risk of causing an asymmetrical smile. So really understanding your anatomy, understanding the depth of the muscle that is your target um, and how much drug you should be putting in that area will keep you safer from these adverse events. So yeah, the biggest one is um, affecting an adjacent muscle that you did not intend to minimize or relax. The recommended dosing or dilution of each of these injectables as such? Yeah, so each, um, each drug comes in slightly different vial sizes, but the standard vial sizes for Latibo, Botox and Xeomin are 100 unit vials. Those are the most commonly used and we dilute that with 2.5 mils of saline. The Disport is measured in a very different type of units. That's measured in spay units and that comes in a 500 unit vial. Again, it's diluted in 2.5 mils of saline. So the doses that you would inject in certain areas for Latibo, Botox and Xeomin will be the same. So for example, the glabella, the frown lines, you're going to use around about 20 units for most people. Around the crow's feet, again, 20 units. But if you're using Disport, again, the measurements are a different measurement. So you would use 50 units on average in a frown with Disport and 50 units in a crow's feet with Disport as an average. The frontalis is a variable dose um, depending on the patient's anatomy and the result that they're after. But somewhere in the region of um, 30 to 40 units of Disport or possibly Latibo, Botox and Xeomin, you might be using anywhere from 14 units up with that one in a frontalis. Special considerations when you're using, you know, these products in combination with other aesthetic treatments or procedures? Yeah, so obviously you want to make sure that the patient doesn't have um, any uh, contradictory medical conditions, um, particularly those of muscle weakness. Um, but when you're looking at treating the frontalis in particular, we want to look at the patient's skin quality their age and if they have any pre-existing ptosis because we are going to relax that muscle of the frontalis and make those types of things worse. So we might make them a little bit heavier in the brow or the eyelids. In terms of um, treating in combination with other, other modalities, I think that anti-wrinkle injections work really well with skin treatments. 
it also works really well with fillers. So understanding what you're trying to achieve for the patient in terms of their concerns of facial, either facial anatomy and beautification or rejuvenation where they are in their facial aging, fat atrophy and um, bony remodeling, that would make a big difference on, on your choice of product and where you Excellent. would place it. Excellent. So can we talk now about different dermal fillers? Um, so you can tell us about, once again, what are the main products on the market and uh, and what type of product would you be using to treat different areas? Yeah, so in Australia, TJ approved, I think there's eight different brands of dermal fillers. Um, probably the two most commonly used ones are the ones by Galderma, which is your Restylane range, and your Allergan range, which is your Juvederm. We've also got Tioxane. They have a, a range called Tioxal, um, Vogue, um, Mertz, Chroma, and there's a new one coming out called Art Fillers. So there's quite a broad range of fillers. Within each company's range, there will be a portfolio of fillers from thinner, softer fillers that move more naturally all the way up to firmer fillers with a higher G-prime or a firmer stiffness for bony areas. So I think I probably can't get into the ins and outs of each filler, but you want to think about what you're trying to achieve. So if you're trying to do some cheek revolumization or rejuvenation in the cheeks, the jawline and the chin, then you're going to use a product that has a firmer G prime or a, a more thick structural product to get the results and the longevity you're after. But if you're putting something in and around the mouth, then we want something that moves natural on animation. So when the patient's talking, eating and chewing, we want it to move natural so that we can't see that they've had dermal fillers. The last thing we want to do is put a stiff product in lips so that when they're talking and chewing, all you see is this stiff filler moving around. The same with if you were treating a tear trough, we want to make sure that we don't put a product that is too hydrophilic. It doesn't pull too much fluid to it in an area that naturally would hold on to filler, uh, fluid in that area. So the rheology or the, the physical properties of the filler are really important to understand and that will guide where you place your filler. Fantastic. And, and I suppose it's just interesting to know any emerging trends or advancements in either any wrinkle or fillers that, you know, the audience might be need to be aware of. Yeah, so there's talk um, of a extremely short-acting botulinum toxin, so a product that would kick in within 24 hours and maybe not last longer than one to two weeks. So that would be really interesting if you had an event on or something, you wanted to just really quickly have some anti-wrinkle injections. There's also a long-lasting um, up to six months lasting um, anti-wrinkle injection that's in in the US um, so that's a, a really good product so good that it lasts really long but if you don't love the results then maybe that's not a great idea I've also heard whispers that they are doing a patch with little darts on it skin darts embedded with botulinum toxin so that you would put the skin patch maybe around the eyes like the eye masks and it would infuse the anti-wrinkle into the skin there. So you would get a needle-free treatment of anti-wrinkle, which is pretty exciting if that comes to fruition. In terms of fillers, um, there's currently a new type of filler that's just hit Australia, which is called a biofiller. And that uses your own plasma to create a thicker product and create a, a filling effect. It's relatively short-lived, maybe up to six months, um, but it would be a filler that's made from your own blood product. So that's pretty exciting as well. Similar to PRP. But um, it I'm is. really interested. It, 
Yeah. So um, the other thing I'll just, uh, just some hints and tips just from your approach to patient consultations and assessments to work out, you know, what products you would use on a patient. Absolutely. I think the number one thing is to have a really good, robust chat with your patient about what they want to achieve. So not everyone wants to have a completely frozen, non-moving face. So my patients in particular, I prefer a natural aesthetic. So we will talk about the results that they're after. I think it's really important to let the patient know if they want to have a little bit of movement, then that will compromise the longevity of the product. So they can choose to have a softer result with a bit of movement, but they just won't get as long out of the product. And a lot of patients do prefer that. But then there are other patients that are happy to have minimal movement or no movement and have it lasting a little bit longer. So getting a real understanding of the patient's expectation and being able to explain that very well will ensure that you have a happy patient that doesn't come back to you um, unhappy with the treatment. The other thing I would say, particularly with anti-wrinkle, is really understand your anatomy, understand how thick the muscle is in the area you're treating and inject as per the anatomy of the particular patient that you're looking at. We can't just cookie cutter treatments. We need to tailor our treatment to specific anatomy that the patient may have. Um, particularly frontalis, uh, the, the movement in a frontalis is so diverse across the entire population that I feel no two patient has the same kind of pattern of frontalis movement. So yeah, really learn your anatomy, um, have a really robust conversation with your patients about what they want to achieve and that should get you good results. And any sort of tips or advice for you know, your fellow clinicians out there um, on how to enhance their skills or proficiency? So I think obviously to help them be able to use obviously these products safely. Yeah, I think do some really good training, get some really good understanding of not only the product that you choose to use from the, the reps from each particular company, um, get some really good hands-on practical training. And I think one-on-one -on -one mentoring is a really good way to do that rather than in a big group. Um, often the group training, you don't get that much hands-on. So if you seek out someone who can provide you one-on-one -on -one time, then you can go through the ins and outs with your particular questions and you'll become um, much more proficient at it. And then once you've done that sort of training, I think the most important thing is to get straight into it. I see some people that do training and then a lot of time elapses before they put it into practice and then they forget things. So I think aim to do your training and put it into practice as quickly as possible and experience really it's about doing as many treatments as you can review the patient at the two-week mark you do learn so much from the review um, that's really important and not to be um, dismissed it does take a little bit extra of your time but it will help you get become a better injector yeah and I'm sure for, for most people here when getting started you'll have plenty of family and friends that'll be happy to be your uh, test guinea pigs as you're uh, going on your journey so perhaps pick a few friendlies Absolutely. first to uh um, test your techniques before you maybe let yourself loose on the patient cohort exactly. that is obviously to follow. So uh, yeah, and the... and pick 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 people that are going to give you really honest feedback because you don't want someone who's going to just tell you yeah everything was fantastic. You want honest feedback so that you can get better. But yeah, there's no shortage of family and friends that want a little Botox here and there. Yeah, excellent. Well, look, thank you very much, Kelly, for your time today and for sharing your experience with the audience and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on a future podcast. But thank you very much for your time today. Yes. No worries. Thank you. Have a good day.
Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpsert.com.